Life can be stressful, even under normal circumstances. 2020 has challenged even the most difficult times of life. You need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. That's Headspace. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research and can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Go to headspace.com slash C-suite for a free one-month trial. Headspace.com slash C-suite. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Join a cast of over 70 uniquely brilliant individuals. Each week, Mike Domish and an eclectic mix of cast members and special guests will engage in mindful and lively conversations about everything from meditation to spirituality to personal passions to successes and failures to relationships to the stuff that makes up the moments of our daily lives. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish. One of our amazing sponsors this week is Zen Parenting Radio. Zen Parenting Radio podcast combines self-awareness and mindfulness with pop culture and humor to expand compassion for ourselves, each other, and the world. You're going to hear a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom and a logical and practical dad, a podcast to help you feel outstanding. Join my friends, Kathy and Todd, at zenparentingradio.com. Life can be stressful, even under normal circumstances. 2020 has challenged even the most difficult times of life. You need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. That's Headspace. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research and can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Go to headspace.com slash C-suite for a free one-month trial. Headspace.com slash C-suite. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Domish, and thrilled to be here with our cast from the Everyday Mindfulness Show. This week's cast includes Todd and Kathy Adams, and you can learn all about and check out our brilliant cast at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. And this week, we are talking about mindful parenting, and I'm so thrilled to have Todd and Kathy on here because I was fortunate to be on their show. Actually, we recorded it last year. Hard to believe how quickly time flies. Such a great in-depth conversation the two of you brought uh, to light about talking about sex and our kids and how to have those conversations. It was so much fun. And I know that this is what you do. You consciously choose to parent from a mindful perspective. So I want to start with that. I want to start with what led the two of you to being mindful parents. Now, when I say that, a bunch of people are going to go, well, every parent believes they're being mindful. That might be true, but you consciously chose to live with a mindful parenting approach, what led you to that? What initiated that? Was that before children, after children? How did that happen for you? Yeah, for, for me, it was before children. It's something that I've always been interested in and had my own practice. And it was something, you know, I used to read about it in terms of relationships or career, you know, way before I became a parent, it was mindfulness still applies to every aspect of life, right? And then the interesting thing, though, Mike, is that I thought, because I'm a teacher and I'm a therapist, and I used to, you know, work with, you know, kids and their parents, and I thought, oh, once I become a parent, this is going to be so easy for me, you know, I know this stuff. It is a totally different ballgame when you become a parent. Uh, these are your kids. This is your everyday experience. They don't go away. 
meaning that you don't get to just go meditate for 30 minutes and, you know, calm down from your day. They're always there. So I would say that my mindfulness practice picked up significantly after we had kids where it was more about, instead of about the practices of meditation and kind of the, you know, the, I don't want to call it formulaic, but the more like rote ways of being mindful, I had to bring mindfulness into every experience I had with my children. And I will say that it's definitely a practice. It's not something I always do. It's always a consideration. It's always there as a, as a possibility, but it's challenging. Well, and I'll say, um, Kathy started early. I started late because Kathy's been doing this stuff since before children, and she's one of my greatest teachers. And I, to Kathy's point, it's a constant practice, and we're not close to perfect, and we screw up every day, every week, and all that. But the purpose for me for why we would even want to bother with what mindful parenting might be, it's because I see a lot of times, even in myself, I react to my kids because our kids are our best mirror of ourselves. And they're really good at getting under our skin because they're not doing what we want them to do. And what mindfulness does, it gives you an opportunity to respond to something as opposed to react. And all that response is, it's a, it's a millisecond of time of how do I really want to engage my child. And the mindfulness practice is what kind of gets us into that state. Well, I've, I think it's a brilliant approach. And I did not come into the world of mindfulness until very late in the parenting phase of life. I mean, very, I mean, you're always a parent. And so whether your kids are 20 or they're, they're an infant, you're always a parent. But I came in late to what we call the raising years of, you know, through high school. And so it's playing catch up. And, and I look and I go, oh man, if I had known that at the time. But now you, you, that's one of the things you want to be careful of in mindfulness is judging yourself and just letting go of it. I didn't. And so I did the best I, I knew I could do. So I think that's key for everyone listening today. I don't want anybody listening and thinking, oh, I'm gonna, I'm beating themselves up because they didn't do this in the past. Or they feel like maybe I'm being told I did things wrong because I didn't do that. No, you did the best you could with what you knew and what you had available to you at the time. That's true of almost every parent that would be listening to this show. This is how can we now take it to another level or not even level, but how can we gain more tools to be able to help us be even more mindful in that parenting space. So let's dive into there. And I love what both of you said. And Todd, you talked about still making mistakes every day. And and Kathy, you talked about it's just not that easy as you think it's going to be when you become a parent. It was the same way for me. I would talk about how to talk with teenagers about sex. And but when my teenagers, my kids became teenagers, it was more difficult than that. Where do you find the biggest conflict for you as in a person who knows mindfulness and yet what triggers it difficult to, to live that mindful being uh, as a parent? I think for me, it's because of the role I'm playing in their lives as their mother that I'm already, even though I don't necessarily always want to be this way, I'm so invested in that role of I want to do this well and I want to show up in the right way and I want to say the right thing, that there's so much tension already around how I perceive this role. And even if I'm mindful about it and I say, no, just be present and you know, be with them in the moment and everything will work out. There's, you know, there's still always that voice in your head that says, this is so important. This is so valuable. So when we're talking with other people or friends or even with our partners, you know, it, as to Todd's point there, it's sometimes a little easier to respond rather than react because we take that breath. But with our kids, they, because they know us so well, and because we're so invested, they trigger us so much easier. We're so much more concerned I, I don't love that word concerned. We're so much more invested 
in this relationship and, and in this relationship going well, that sometimes it's hard to see ourselves. It's, you know, we get, we get wrapped up in what they're thinking and we get wrapped up in if we're doing it right or wrong. And so it's a little harder to back away. For me, Kathy's more of the spiritual and emotional. I'm a little bit more the logical to practical. And, you know, one thing, Kathy and I haven't like formally wrote, written down a, a family mission statement or anything like that. And I was actually just talking to Kathy about this last week. And she's like, our mission statements are scattered all over our house. Like Kathy put, puts these things up on our wall, like lean into joy, you belong. And the reason I bring that up is because it's really vital for for the most important thing that I was put on this earth to do is to, you know, take care of myself and take care of my wife and take care of my kids. And we got to know where we're, where we want to go. And I'm not inviting the people listening to this to sit down and write a formal mission statement, but at least have a discussion with your partners. Like, what type of parents do we want to be? Because there's no way you're going to get there unless you know what you're aiming for. And because we get so busy in the day-to-day minutia things, you know, your three-year-old is like 10 before you blink an eye. So it's important to kind of have a vision of what it is, it, what it means for you to be a mindful parent. And, and even in every moment, what it is that we're hoping for. And for Todd and I, our big, you know, like what's the bottom line? What's the grounding base of this family? And it's connection and relationship. So if we know that and we, we understand why that's so vital in every aspect of our relationship with our kids, and with ourselves for that matter, then when we are having a disagreement with them or they're having a behavior issue or there's a fight or then we know what's the most important thing right now, right now, connection and relationship. And that's a mindfulness exercise in itself. And we tend to think that, you know, no, they have to do what I need, what I need them to do in order for them to pass this test or get on this team because I want them to get a scholarship or I want them to get into this college. And, you know, we're all for our children succeeding, but if it's at the expense of relationship, that's when it gets tricky. And, you know, that's a whole can of worms we can get into, but it's, you know, the whole idea of redefining what a successful child, human being, parent might be. Well, I love the the very specific of those two words, connection and relationship, because I think you can write a mission statement and still drive the bus entirely in the wrong direction, believing you're going in the right direction. The, the words connection and relationship allow you to keep on the right path. So, right, you could have a mission statement that we want to we raise this kind of a family, but yet not have the, the language of connection relationship there. You could, you could think you're driving that family, but because you're new to parenting, like all parents are, you're not driving it the way you wrote the mission statement at all because you don't understand the consequences of our actions. We don't. And so if you're able to pause and go, ooh, did I do harm to connection or relationship in this approach? That's something I can ask all the time. Like I can constantly be evaluating. So it's such a gift. I love that. Exactly. And that, and the thing is, is like how did that idea of connection and relationship in every moment, in every disagreement, in every interaction with our kids, that also changes the dynamics of how everything plays out after that. So a lot of times when there's rebellion, things that are very normal and child developmentally appropriate, it's not that though, that rebellion equals bad parenting or anything. It's very normal. But a lot of times when your everyday experience with your child is connection and relationship, they trust you more. They understand that you believe in who they are. They understand that they have freedom to be who they are. They understand that um, that they can come to you about things. They don't fear you. They, they feel that they belong in the home. So a lot of the issues and anxieties that our kids are facing in the world 
they aren't, I, I would never say they don't exist anymore, but they're, they're decreased a bit. So it, it not only helps in that moment of being more mindful, but it helps in the big picture of what we're dealing with with our kids. Well, and what Kathy's saying is, you know, she's talking about mindfulness. We're, this is not a how-to. Like, Kathy and I have been doing Zen Parenting Radio for seven years, and it's not a how-to podcast. It's not a how do I talk to my kids about sex or how do, do I put my kid in a timeout. Really, what this podcast is that, that we do is it's a what we say on every single podcast that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. So we don't tell parents how to do things. What we're trying to do is how are we going to be the best version of ourselves? And that will leak out and seep into the pores of our children because kids do not listen to what we say. They learn by watching how we live. And that's something that's so important because it's just easier to say, well, how do I make my kid an A student or something like that? Forget about that. Or how do I get my kid to practice the piano? I always say, why don't you learn how to play the piano and maybe your kid will take interest in it. Right, right, right. And, and maybe maybe just the piano isn't what your kid wants. Maybe there's something else and let them have that. Ex- maybe your child wants nothing right now. Maybe they would just want quiet time. I, I think that, you know, that allows us to dive in uh, to those conversations fully and be present for them. I know that I... I would want to be the approach before I came into really understanding mindfulness of I want to give my children love. I want to cheer them on. I want to support them on their journeys and I want them to make the right choices. (laughs) Now, the reason I laugh at the right choices is that's a control factor, right? Because now we say right. So now our kids do something wrong and we think, what do I need to do to correct their actions, right? Or to punish that so they don't repeat that action. That's how most of our society is taught, and that's how we're raised to parent, is they make a bad choice, you punish them to teach them not to make that choice, versus uh, they made a choice that probably wasn't in their best interest. How do you help them learn from that experience? That's a very different approach. It's much more mindful. There might not be punishment involved, and, and that scares a lot of people to think, can I parent without punishment? Or maybe you're gonna say, no, the opposite. There's still lots of punishment, but it comes with this. How do, how do you balance that? Exactly. And, you know, the language you just used about, you know, the way that you shifted it is so beautiful because you're like, you know, they made a bad decision. And then what comes after that? Is it conversation? Is it that they deal with their own consequences? And why that's such an important shift is sometimes as parents, we are so enmeshed with our kids that anything they're experiencing, we tend to experience through our own body. And we're thinking we need to correct it for them. So this happens because we don't want them to have an experience we had or we want things to turn out this way. And what do we know about what their life is going to turn out like? Like just because middle school was tough for us doesn't mean middle school will be tough for them. And if it is tough for them, it may be for entirely different reasons. And one mindfulness practice or one mindfulness understanding that we can put into practice is allow your children to have enough separation between yourself and your children that they are living their lives and you are supporting them, not living it with them. You are on the outside of their life as a supportive figure because I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through middle school again, but I'll definitely support someone who's in it. Well, and I have a perfect example. We have a 14-year-old, and in middle school, or no, in elementary school, she took Spanish. And then in middle school, she took French. Yeah. Now she's going into high school, and she's taking Italian. Now, the practical side of me says, what a colossal waste of time. Just learn Spanish because that's what most people, second languages in the country, just do Spanish. But how do I know? Maybe this kid's going to end up speaking three or four languages. 
Like, it's not my job to tell her, like, she is attracted, she's attracted towards Spanish, and then she was attracted towards French, and now she's attracted towards Italian. I, now, there's a part of me that it, it, it drives me nuts. The practical part. The practical part of me. But I need to step back and say, what, what is going on here? It's not about what I want for her. It's what she wants for herself. So that's just and, one example. And we can't see what it means. You know, Todd said maybe she'll speak three languages. Maybe she won't. Maybe she'll meet a best friend in that class. Maybe she will have an experience with a teacher there that she's never had. Like, we can't, we are so limited in our thinking in that we only look at our own experiences and then place those on our children and say, here was my experience, so they were going to have this experience. We need to be more expansive and step back and think, I have no idea how this is going to play out. There's a lot of uncertainty, thus is life, and and embrace that rather than think we need to control it. Well, and by the way, I love talking about the idea of parental amnesia. The amount of mistakes that I made growing up, you know, whether it's cheating on a test or stealing something from a grocery store, whatever it is, lying to a friend, we all did that. And the way we figured out how not to do that is by, you know, learning about it. So when our kids make these same mistakes that we do, I see parents and, you know, myself included, I'm like disappointed, like, what were you thinking? Well, they weren't thinking at all, otherwise they wouldn't do it. But we did the same stuff. And for us to be so surprised that they're making these same mistakes, that's how they're learning. So. Yeah. Or we knew someone who did. Right. And so right. I, cause a lot of times people go, I didn't do this stuff. Okay. But you knew people who did. And, and then they'll be like, but look how that person turned out. Okay. Are you pointing to the one who you think didn't turn out well and forgetting about the other five who are, I know people that make an incredible difference in this world that, that did some things they, that they wouldn't be proud of, you know, 30 years later when they were teenagers. So which one are you choosing to look at? as far as that journey goes. Uh, and I, yeah, I think that really becomes important. And I remember once we were talking with our kids, you know, we only have one that's still in high school, all the others are in college, so they're older. We were talking to a therapist once and the idea in society was don't put your kids in front of the tube too much, you know, in front of TV, computer. At this time, it was more TV. The kids would come home from school and want to get on the, the computer or gaming and we were like, no, no, homework first, right? Because we were following the traditional system. And this therapist said, hey, I'm curious. When you get home from work, is the first thing you want to do is go do more work? And we're like, well, of, of course not. Well, why are you doing that to your kids? Like, why aren't you letting them have the break they need the way they want? If that's their break. Now, if they're abusive with that or addictive to that, that's a different conversation. But if that's their break, what are you doing? And it was such a great wake-up call to go, whoa, just because parenting teaches this, this doesn't mean that's good parenting at all. I'm just going to pause this for one second because I want to let everyone listening know about one of our amazing sponsors. This week's episode is sponsored by the book, Can I Kiss You? and the Instructor's Guide of Can I Kiss You? For many listeners know, this is the book that I wrote last year came out. We were thrilled because it went number one on Amazon for teen and young adult dating. And it is filled, just packed with how-to skill sets for anyone to read of any age. We used to have a certain age group and people said, will you stop doing that? I have a middle schooler that I want to read this book or I'm 45 single, I need to read this book. And we've had people who are married going, it's helped change my relationship. And that's why we're, we're excited. This is this week's sponsor, the Can I Kiss You book. And if you're a teacher, the instructor's guide. You can find both at datesafeproject.org. That's datesafeproject.org. Or you can call Rita in our offices at 800-329-9390. That's this week's sponsor. The other thing is there's, you know, we might have a kid that absolutely wants to get their work done as soon as they get home from school. And another kid 
doesn't. They need that break. And that's the thing. You got to be nimble. You got to be agile when you're parents because you don't, they're not two or three. If you have two or three kids, they're not robots and they're all different. They're built differently. They have different needs. And for us to kind of have this um, one size fits all attitude, it doesn't always come out right. Exactly. And you know, Mike, what we were talking about at the beginning or when I was talking about mindfulness and that I was very invested in my role as mother. And, and as I, as my children have grown, I have really, you know, broken apart that role and really questioned everything about it. And that example that you give is exactly what I mean, because I think that idea of they get home, they do homework, this is how they do it is, is role playing. We're saying, this is the role I'm parent, you do what I say, here's how we do it in this family. And it's in many of us were raised that way. And many of us can say, I had a great upbringing, but that doesn't mean that it's not okay to evolve and to continue to grow in our parenting. And again, coming into that idea of connection and relationship, you know, relationship is more, my friend Annie Burnside wrote a book called Soul to Soul Parenting, which is very different from role. You know, I'm the, I'm the parent, you're the child, and that there's definitely a hierarchy there. Soul to soul is like showing up for your kid. You're a human being, they're a human being. You can still be in charge. You know, you're still in charge. You're a parent, but that's very different than being in control. You're actually listening and you're like connecting to their humanity and who they are as a person. But to do that, again, going back to for the mind, mindfulness piece, is we have to be self-aware enough to recognize when we are shifting into role instead of talking from soul. Well, and what's interesting is that as your kids get older, and I don't mean you specifically, I mean anybody listening, and some have older children who are listening, so they're going to be relate to this differently than somebody who has younger children because you come from different perspectives. The older you kids get, the less you realize it's you, it's them. <laughs> They're going to make their journey. But it unfortunately, you don't get that often until later. A lot of people, myself included at times. And so you put way too much weight on your parenting, way too much weight on your parenting and stressing on that, that if I do something wrong. And I remember somebody once saying, hey, look, if your kid is, is having stress or anxiety or depression, you could have done everything right as a parent. And you could be highly successful, and that's why your kid has that anxiety. Not because you did anything wrong, because they grew up in an atmosphere where everything was so smooth and simple and that they feel pressure that life must be that way. And, and so that shows itself very differently. So interestingly, you can have incredible mindful parenting, and things can still become very difficult for one of your children or a challenge for one of your children or emotionally struggle like you said, there's no how-to that guarantees you this result over here. The same two, I mean, not the same, the same parent approach with two different kids, as you were saying, Todd, is going to bring you very different results in your own home. Exactly. And that's why it's so important, regardless of what relationship we're talking about, if it's with ourselves, with our partners, with our kids, it's very fluid and moving and growing and evolving that something that we may have done one year um, doesn't seem to work anymore because we've changed or our kids are changing or they're growing and that we have to constantly be not saying what is, that's why sometimes I laugh. I always say that I think parenting books are dumb, but I write them. Um, so I'm part of that club. But I also think that sometimes parenting books can do us a disservice because they'll say, here's one way to do it. And if you do this, this will work out. And it may once, it may twice, it may for a year, but then it may, it may not. And you have to be able to keep rolling with it. Like your example of you have a kid where you raise them a certain way that things are working, but then it starts to border on anxiety or it becomes full-blown anxiety or clinical anxiety. And then instead of saying, well, I'm going to keep doing the same thing or this shouldn't be happening, we say, okay, now I need to shift gears 
and and look at this from a different way and get to know my child in a different way. And that doesn't mean anyone's to blame or that there's a, you know, any guilt that we should feel. It's we have to keep moving and being fluid. Well, and I like to think that as human beings, we're control freaks. We try to, we, we think that we have more control over things than we actually do, including our children. I mean, hopefully we have some influence on them, but control, I don't have no. control over my kids. But what I do have control over as best I can is myself. And one of the things that we talk about all the time is the baggage that you get growing up from the parents and the society. When, when we were all growing up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, I was given these bags by my parents, by society. And my goal as a parent is not to give my bags to my kids. So in other words, I need to kind of disperse that myself and not, because that's what a lot of this is, is you just kind of like pass it from one generation to the next. So what I try to do is try to realize what my baggage is because our kids are going to come up with their own baggage, even if we yeah, are. They're going to have issues no matter what. Well, we let's, pause there. Let's, well, let's pause there because I wonder, is it a matter of you not, you're going to give your kids bags. The question yeah. is which bags? Right. <laughs> right. So, so Todd, so if we sit there and I agree with what you're saying, I don't want to repeat these things or hand these things down. But ironically, when we shift our behavior to not do that, we give them different bags. And it's it, sometimes it's bags we did not mean them to get. Right. Like there's a negative out of our shift. We were so scared to give them that bag that we acted a certain way and we gave them another bag that's not the greatest. Yeah, and- like unintended consequences. I mean, you can go too far, like, you know, Catherine and talk about discussion, not discipline, but if there's no structure for a kid and everything comes so easily to them, you know, they're going to think, go, go through life thinking that everything is easy. And then all of a sudden they're going to end up hating your parents because you made everything too easy on them. And then another kid and another family is going to say they've made their life too hard. So it's this pendulum. There's this, there's this gray area. There's no black and white. There's no right or wrong. Everything is great. And you two have both you know, mentioned at the beginning, Kathy, especially at the beginning of the show, that, oh, I'm the mindfulness parent, that this is going to be smooth. And people have that perception of the expert, right? And so when people know that I talk about sex and decision-making and consent, they're like, oh, your kids must be perfect in this category. You know, that they have that mindset. And I bet you get the same thing, which is, oh, you must have these perfect children because you're mindful parents. And there's a little sarcasm in that, but some people genuinely believe that in you. And, and I'm the first to go, no, I have no idea what my kids are doing in their own relationships because if I thought I did, it'd be highly arrogant for me to actually believe I knew that. There's no way I know what they're doing when I'm not around. That's one of the things that I've learned in my line of work is that it's just assumptions and in pres- in pres- being presumptuous if I'm doing that. No, I can only lay the groundwork. That's all I can do is lay the foundation. After that, they're going to choose what they're going to do. So how do you deal with that in your line of work that you're both in mind, you discuss mindful parenting, you have Zen Parenting Podcast, the, the radio show. Uh, how do you deal with that expectation of you uh, versus a reality? And, and do you ever accidentally put it on yourself? Oh, interesting. So I used to ask Kathy, our kids are older now, our youngest is nine, but they were toddlers at one point. And I, I used to say to Kathy, like, what happens if we're at the local grocery store? Because we get a lot of people that listen to the show that, you know, you just see people that listen to the show. What happens if one of our toddlers melts down in it? And Kathy said, then they melt down. Really what I would be embarrassed about, and I'm speaking for Kathy, is if I melted down with them. Like, I, we can't control our kids. Tantrums happen. If I were the one in the grocery store and I ended up losing it, that's when the embarrassment happens. But no, our, you know, our, to your point, Mike, you know, you can't control whether or not your kids have the perfect uh, relationship with their partner, as nor should you. 
And and we that's what I really love about what we talk about on the show is we're we're doing our best to be authentic. And I don't mean that as the buzzword authentic, but like really honest, truthful, speak from integrity where we're not just sharing how easy things are and all the situations that we do really well. We also share our own challenges, not necessarily sharing secrets of our children. We, we try to guard against, you know, giving away their lives on the show because it's really about us. But we share how challenging things can be and how sometimes you think you've resolved something and it shows up in different pants or, you know, you think something is calm when they're five and then when they're seven, it does get chaotic. And we it's it's kind of a load off my shoulders. The way I deal with it is by the way I present it and teach it is I in no way expect that in my own life. Therefore, when I'm teaching it, I, I'm trying to remind parents that this isn't supposed to be perfect. It is indeed a practice. And to Todd's point, we can't always, we can't control the emotions and experience our children are having. What we can deal with is how we are responding. So, and, and you know, like Todd just said, he'd be embarrassed if he responded poorly. I have responded poorly in front of people before. And then it's a backing up of analyzing that, you know, in myself, like, you know, what was going on? Is there anything that I can learn from that? If my children, if I was inappropriate with my children to consider apologizing, if that's necessary, that's not always necessary, but sometimes when, you know, sometimes we blame our children for things that have nothing to do with them and that needs to be cleared up. But these are, you know, it's ongoing. And as they get older, like you said, your children are, are, are older than ours, but you're still dealing with these things. Parenting never ends. Oh, it definitely doesn't. I mean, think about anybody listening right now. Think if you're an adult, uh, as in a little bit older, and the, is one of your siblings still struggling with the rest? If people have larger families, they're all going to go one there might be two, there might be, you know, uh, there's at least one if you have a large family, which means your parent is probably concerned about that. Your parent is probably hurt by that. And they might be in their 70s and their 80s, and they're still judging themselves as parents because of their children. This, Yes, it's a lifetime journey. And earlier you talked about this takes practice. So what are the key things that, or discoveries the two of you have had that you practice? What are practices that you are intentional about in your life to help you on this journey of mindful parenting? For me, it, the beginning of it is just with me alone. Like for me, the two things that I do um, personally are I do have a meditation practice, not every day. Again, and this is not a perfection thing, but I do have a meditation practice that is not at all formal. It's just this. Hey there, the holidays are here. So it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham Ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app, and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. seat that I have in my bedroom, and I have post-it notes all over, and I have pictures, and it's just a place that I calm and breathe before I even start the day. That's just a place that I kind of notice what's going on in my head before I bring it to my family, you know. I also do yoga. I also, you know, Todd and I, with our relationship, we practice this, meaning it kind of starts with us. The relationship we have with each other then extends to our children. So when we're having a disagreement, I am try to be very mindful of how I'm responding to Todd. Like, am I listening to his side of the story? Am I being thoughtful about his experience? Am I being empathetic? Because the more I practice that with Todd, 
more I can practice that with my children because they can, they're not as mature, you know, so it can be a little tougher. So it really starts again with me personally, which is meditation, yoga, space for myself, quiet time, and then practicing it with someone else I love. Well, and, um, Kathy's more of a, of a sitting still person where mine is more movement oriented. So I consider playing basketball with the guys at the YMCA in the morning. That's my moving meditation. I, I do sometimes have a, you know, a typical meditation practice, but it's extremely infrequent. I know there's, you know, there's that ego excited me. It says, oh, we, you'd be better off if you meditated every day. For some reason, at this point in my life, I don't feel compelled to do that. So for anybody listening, like, yeah, it's just not my thing, then don't do it. Um, but figure out another way to take care of yourself, to fill your own cup. You know, obviously, Kathy and I, we do a lot of reading of, you know, self-help books and things like that just to kind of work on ourselves and learn more about ourselves. So, yeah, those are a few of the things that we, and it's a muscle. It's something that you never, it's not a destination you ever get to. And that is kind of a seismic shift in my brain because I, for the first 40 years of my life, I thought, okay, it's all about goal setting, attaining that goal and moving on. But with parenting and meditation and mindfulness, you're ne you never arrive. It is a moment-to-moment, day-to-day experience. I like what Ted said. That's a muscle that you you keep working, and so it doesn't atrophy. And that that in itself is the practice. Love it. I want to thank both of you for everyone listening. You can hear them each week on their own show, Zen Parenting Radio Show, and it's a podcast you can find on iTunes. They do. They have amazing discussions, uh, sometimes with guests, sometimes between the two of you. And we, even within those guests, you get you two lead incredible conversations amongst the two of you, which is fun to discover and listen to, much like today. You just feed off each other. It's fun to listen to. And so I want to thank both of you for joining me today. For anybody out there, what are websites uh, people can find you at? Uh, zenparentingradio.com is the best place to find us and we're on Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter as Zen Parenting also. And we're going to have those links at everydaymindfulnessshow.com along with the show notes so we'll have highlights, we'll have things you can tweet from today's show all at everydaymindfulnessshow.com Thank you Todd and Kathy for joining me here today. This has been awesome. Thanks, Thank you Mike. Mike. We love being here. Well until next time for everyone listening, may you enjoy everyday mindfulness in your life. Three quick reminders. One, please subscribe to the Everyday Mindfulness Show on iTunes. Already subscribed? Then encourage others to join us by inviting them to subscribe to the show. Two, while on iTunes, download all the latest episodes. Three, reviews help more people find out about the show. Would you please go into iTunes and write a review? Doing so helps spread the mission of the show. Thanks. We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com and check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.